Now live and on lockdown. Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland, and across the globe. Worldwide, baby. You're listening to Ramsey Unleashed. Going Beyond Borders podcast on Heart Song Live Radio with your host. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Please, please welcome Fraser Ramsey. Fraser Ramsey. Hey, this is a from Kingdom Beads, and we are proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders on heartsonglive.co.uk. Uh, good evening, good evening, good evening. It's uh, Fraser in the hot seat. If not being here for a week, couple of weeks, it's been busy festival time, um, but enjoying Edinburgh's sunny weather as well. It's Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders on heartsonglive.co.uk, and we have our special guest, one of our um, festival guests who's performing in the Edinburgh Festival, uh, Dr. Kevin Jones, um, all the way from Bolton. He's doing a stand-up comedian. He is a doctor by trade, so Stephen sees the insights and outsights of uh, working in the medical profession. And uh, he's going to talk about what he, who he is, uh, his background, why he got chose to do a bit of comedy, how he got into it, uh, just general stuff uh, he sees on a day-to-day basis and just about him. And we're going to have a bit of a laugh, but light-hearted, we'll ask a couple of health questions in general. So maybe if you're looking like you had more packs of crisps than you should have, uh, he will be able to... <laughs> Hopefully I'll be able to tell you how to get rid of it. Not to do uh, but the fact that is. But anyway, um, welcome. Welcome to the show. Fraser Ramsey, Heart Song Live. Well. I'm absolutely privileged to be here in Edinburgh. It's been it's great to have you. It's, 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 this is your first time in Edinburgh, yeah? Well, it's so, not my first time in Edinburgh, but it's but, my first and probably last time at the Edinburgh Fringe. But I decided, you see... I've been doing the after-dinner circuit for about 30 years and then I've started to do these one-man shows that explore the dark recesses of comedy and humour in medicine. So I I thought I'd bring my one-man show to the Edinburgh Fringe. It has a controversial title, Fraser. It's entitled Telling the Wrong Man He Had Cancer and Other Hilarious Stories. But believe me, the fun in that story is not... The cancer. It is the appalling mistake I made telling this poor fella, and then the appalling mess I went through trying to get the good news to him. I promise you, it has a happy ending. But Fraser, we'll, a happy we'll, ending. We'll maybe a brief insight to that without uh, disturbing too much insight to his show. He has actually sold out. He's not actually performed yet. He will be performing from Monday, doing six shows in Edinburgh Festival. He has sold out, and he's not. He only arrived in Wednesday, and he's sold out already. So that just proves how popular his show is going to be, and. Uh, which is fantastic news because a lot of people with the Edinburgh Festivals and speaking to Stuart Danetta earlier it is a lottery it's like basically the best part 3,000 plus performances shows over three and a bit weeks trying to grapple to get bums on seats to get people to buy your tickets to come and see a show and to somebody to sell out so quickly and it's not started it is fantastic but Kevin tell us um Tell us who you are. Tell us a bit of background about who you are. Who you are. We were brought up. Uh, you have an insight to what made you go into being medicine and uh, what kind of stuff well, you've Well, I had absolutely no imagination, you see. My dad was a doctor, my mother was a nurse, my sister was a nurse, my brother was a nurse. <laughs> so uh, it, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else to do, really. So I became a doctor, qualified at Liverpool University, worked around the northwest of England and then went to Papworth Hospital in Cambridge when it was one of the first places doing heart and heart-lung transplants and that's really where I uh, got my interest in chest medicine. We did the first successful heart-lung transplant for cystic fibrosis. I obviously didn't do the transplant. I can't even do my shoelaces. Um, <laughs> if you see me coming at me with a knife, it is complete malice. Uh, I'm useless. But I did help to write up the uh, the histories of these patients. Um, and then I worked in uh, Colorado. I think you have some American listeners, don't you? I've got quite a few American listeners. Yeah, yeah, well, I worked at the University of Colorado in Denver for a year. That was absolutely fantastic. Then I went to St. Bartholomew's Hospital in London. London, Britain's oldest and most <laughs> prestigious teaching hospital. <laughs> uh, and then worked up, and now I'm working in the Royal Bolton Abattoir uh, Hospital, the Royal Bolton Hospital. Not the Abattoir. Uh, chest <laughs> physician. So I have all the happy stuff, you know, asthma, chronic bronchitis, lung cancer, all the happy stuff. That's good. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you've obviously you've studied, how long were you studying to be in the medicine well i've been a doctor now believe it or not for 40 years i qualified 40. in 1977 can you believe 40 that years. 40 years of genocide have passed <laughs> since years. i became a doctor yeah 40 years that's impressive Ian. it is impressive i'm at the peak of my powers now the peak <laughs> of my medical powers but i got into the um the speaking i was a I used to look after a rugby league team at the weekends and there was a testimonial dinner mm-hmm. for one of the players and I stood up and spoke at the testimonial dinner, told a few medical jokes and uh, people liked it. And then over, that was about 30 years ago so, and that's, I've uh, gradually become very big on the after-dinner circuit and now I've put together this one-man show that I'm bringing to the Edinburgh Fringe. I don't understand how it's sold out, Fraser. I mean, yeah. I'm absolutely delighted at people's lack of judgment and taste. But um, it has sold out, and I'm delighted. I think it's uh, social media is a key player these days in a lot of things. Yeah, I think so. I think I've had a bit of money to put forward in the publicity and the social media side of things, and I think that's probably done the trick for me. I think a lot of the comics who come up to the Edinburgh Fringe use it as a springboard, don't they? So yes. they're prepared to make a financial loss if it gives them a bit of fame and fortune, but um, I'm not after that really. I'm just doing it so I can put it on my gravestone. <laughs> I did the, and I can look at my two hopeless sons and say, what have you ever done with your life? Look at your dad. Been at the Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. I have actually performed the Edinburgh Fringe myself. Uh, it was in 98 and 90s, uh, 97 and 98. Fraser Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, what were you doing? The first show was called Blood Red. It was old English spelling of blood, B-L-U-D-E. Yeah. And it was about the Covenanters of the, se- yeah, Covenanters of the 17th century. And the other one was called Glencoe Lament about the Camels and the McDonald's. Oh, that was one of the uh, huge uh, wars, wasn't it? Mm. So Who won that then? The Campbells won, uh, I they? think so, I, I can't remember. Didn't they wipe out the McDonald's? Probably, yeah, so that was then. I, so Do you I have, have a tartan? I've got the Ramsey tartan, yeah. God, what does that look like? It's a kind of blue. Uh, it is a red version of it, something like a blue, uh, light blue colour. It's nice. You're not wearing it at the moment, though, are no, you? No, I'm not. It's, uh, <laughs> Shouldn't you be wearing it at all times? Uh, maybe not, but it gets a bit chilly sometimes. But it's a bit <laughs> heavy. It's like wearing a rug around your waist, <laughs> your living room rug, <laughs> after yeah. a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> So, okay, tell us uh, about your hometown, Bolton. How long have you, have you always lived there? Well, I'm a Chester boy, really. I grew up in Chester, in Chester, which is a fantastic city, Chester, although I didn't realise it while I was growing up. It was um, the Roman city, wasn't it? It was Diva, and then it was Norman. It was walled by the Normans, and then it was very important during the Civil War, the English Civil War, and then the Tudors. So Chester's got a magnificent history. Then I went to Liverpool University, travelled around a bit when I was my junior doctor years, and now, as you know, I'm in Bolton. Which, actually, speaking of history, Bolton, when Samuel Crompton invented the spinning jenny or whatever it was that helped to mechanise the production of textiles, Bolton was probably the most important place in the world. We got cotton coming in from America, didn't we, through Liverpool, coming to Bolton, on the spinning jenny, out to the rest of the world, to India, to China, to Japan. So at one stage, Bolton was the centre of the universe. It is no longer the centre of the universe. (laughs) It's not even the centre of Bolton. It's that bad. (laughs) When you were a junior doctor, right? Yeah. And looking at junior doctors now, what's the is it easier or harder? Yeah, it's interesting. We worked longer hours when I was younger, but there was less work to do. Do you know what I mean? Um, the kids now, although they work sort of shorter hours than I did, they are utterly flat out throughout those hours. Whereas we, you know, we had bits of time where we could rest throughout the twenty-four hours. I think basically what's happened is that we can do more and therefore it's become much, much busier. I'll give you an example, right? When I was a junior doctor in 1977, if a GP rang you and said that he had a fellow at home that he was absolutely certain was having a heart attack, you know, crushing central chest pain, going down both arms, into the jaw, sick, sweaty, clammy, etc., going on for two hours... 
believe it or not, you used to ask the GP, is the pulse regular? Is there any fluid on the lungs? And if the answer to that was the pulse was regular and there was no fluid on the lungs, it was actually safer, believe it or not, to treat them at home, to give them an aspirin and some morphine at home rather than drag them into hospital. Can you imagine that? I mean, nowadays we're telling everybody any twinge of pain in your chest, get to the A&E department immediately because now we've got the clot-busting drugs and we've got the percutaneous intervention for your coronary arteries and the stenting and diddly-da-diddly-da. So, you know, suddenly it's becoming essentially much more important to get to hospital and get some work done on you. Whereas in my day, God, we we didn't have very much. The occasional leech. I used to put leeches on people. I didn't, that's a joke. That's a joke. (laughs) But I think that's what's happened. Because we can do more and because the expectations are higher, things are just immensely busy, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel for the young docs. I think they work incredibly hard, incredibly hard. So, are you? Uh, yeah, so I'm trying to work out. I'm not going to ask your age, but the sixty-three. You're 60, right, so sixty-three. Yeah, you're sixty-three. Sixty-three. Young. But we have special drugs that we take <laughs> to keep us looking young that you don't know about. Only us I would, doctors. I would have. never guess you're sixty-three. I thought you're a lot. I mean, seriously, never you're a thought. lot older. Thank you. I mean, I thought younger. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> Younger, actually. Considering yeah. I was working out when you, when you were saying you were a junior doctor in 77, I was only about two. <laughs> I was born 75, so... Ah, uh, my Lord, I was 55 I was born in. Uh, so it's quite, yeah. it's amazing, the, yeah, so 22 years. Uh, Good grief. That's quite, yeah, it's trying to work out things there, so, um, but, yeah. But it's, no, I don't, I don't, I've never thought, uh, I think we are looking, we are looking at a generation younger these days. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think we're much younger than our parents were, aren't yeah. we? Not only in our physical appearance, but also in our attitude. Yeah. And I think music's had a lot to do with that. I think music, you're a DJ, obviously, and you love heart song. Um, but music has been essential in our lives, hasn't it? Mm. They, they talk about the, the soundtrack to our lives. And uh, I think that's, it's sort of bound us together. And what's interesting is that our own kids now, my kids, love all the music I loved. I yeah, think the young generation get their musical taste from their parents, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. A, lot, a lot of the music's been re... Like the modern stuff, a lot of them yeah. are not really liking the modern stuff, yeah. but the new, older stuff they're liking yeah. better. Absolutely. Because there's more meaning to the songs. I mean, I think we've been immensely lucky, or I have, my generation, because I've watched music evolve from the very beginning, you know, from Elvis Presley all the way mm. through Pink Floyd and so forth. We've seen an ins- astounding development of music just like i've seen an astounding development in medicine i think i think i've lived in a fantastic time i really do so who is your sort of favorite artist bob dylan bob dylan bob dylan i'm obsessed with bob dylan (laughs) obsessed with him i've got everything he's ever done i just love bob dylan he's now of course the nobel prize for literature last year some people thought that was a disgrace not me i thought he deserved it for his poetry and his genius he's terrible in concert though i have to tell you (laughs) oh my god he just grunts he can hardly he's hardly got enough breath now to blow the harmonic he just sort of goes (laughs) one note it's a shame now but but i mean in his day God, when you think about Blonde on Blonde and Highway 61 Revisited and Blood on the Tracks, incredible albums. Well, what we, do you even know who Bob Dylan is, Fraser? I, I do know who he is. I do know who he is. I know who he is. I never listen to his music much, uh, some stuff. But we did, he did, he did ask Kev what kind of music he likes, and we have a couple of the upcoming artists who I have connected with, uh, Lisa Moe and Aaron Rigdon. Uh, we've got... Um, yeah, put uh, Lisa on. I like country rock. Uh, put Lisa got, on. We're going to have a, a special request by Kev. We're going to have Lisa Moe on. So it's our latest single. We've also got Chris Angeles as well, He's like the tunes that was, and we've got Aaron rigged in small towns so uh, we're going to put Lisa Moe on Miss Lisa Moe on uh, we'll come back after that and uh, we'll have get some more chat of Kev and whoever he chooses to, wants to reveal <laughs> as I say he'll be certainly know where the pulse is anyway <laughs> I'll leave, leave that one there <laughs> we'll be back after after this after we've uh, had a bit of country rock and roll <laughs> Throw the tailgate down and all gather round 
Listening to Ramsey Unleashed going beyond borders on heartsonglive.co.uk, your inspirational station. Hi, this is Guy R. Cook from the Guy R. Cook Report reminding you that in the dog eat dog world of podcasting, Ramsey Unleashed, featured on heartsonglive.co.uk, it's got to be having a leg up on the competition. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to Ramsey Unleashed Going Me Off Borders on heartsonlive.co.uk. I think the look on Kevin's face just uh, made me laugh. You've got a leg up. (laughs) Hearts on Live has got a leg up on its podcasts. Yeah. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, welcome to uh, Ramsey Unleashed Going Me Off Borders on Hearts on Live. We've got Dr. Kevin Jones in the studio. He's doing. Uh, a festival in the, the show so tell uh, let's talk about some uh, some jokes that you can say uh, that it's not in your show and some of the stuff that you're going to be covering about stuff that's happened in the medical profession well I sort of look into the you know what I mean you give a sort of positive and uh, humorous spin on medical life so I remember the first day at medical school I got pushed through the swinging doors of the anatomy dissection room and you're confronted by about 15 bodies all grey and stiff and smelling of formaldehyde and you have to start cutting into the human body (laughs) for the first time and this is where the black humour starts you see Mm -hmm. because nobody had the sort of guts to put the knife into this body until eventually one of the lads said oh I'll do it but I need a cigarette first because we all smoked in those days Mm -hmm. so he said I need a cigarette first does anybody around here smoke does anybody around here smoke and one of the wags picked up the corpse's hand and went, I did, I did. <laughs> so that, of course, is where the black humour starts. And then you, you cut into the body and you, you dissect out the tortuous paths of the veins and the arteries and the nerves and you discover the origins and insertions of the muscle groups and you cut out all the fat and the gristle and the useless bits and you chuck them in a bucket and they take the bucket away and make it into a solicitor. <laughs> Yeah, because nobody likes them. (laughs) Nobody likes a solicitor. So that's where it starts. And then we had a lad in our year, Dennis Pilkington. And Dennis, I don't think he had any intention of being a doctor, even though he did the dissection. He just drank heavily every day. But we had an exam at the end of anatomy. 
Well, you had to go in and uh, it was called the anatomy spotter exam. You were pushed into a room and you were confronted by various parts of the human body that you had to identify. And I was on question 10 which was the pancreas. And Dennis had done his usual revision for this exam. He'd had 15 bottles of beer. And he staggered up to his first (laughs) question, which was a leg on a table with a blue flag stuck in one of the veins of the calf. And he looked down at his question paper, which uh, I thought not unreasonably read, name this vein. Anyway, he got up on the table, smashed a bottle of brown ale on the leg and said, I name this vein HMS Victoria. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Dennis is a teacher now in St Helens because he got chucked out of medical school. Probably to the benefit of all of us, I don't know. Okay. So that's where all the black humour starts, you see. But the great thing about medicine, I mean, I love being a doctor for many reasons. You know, it's an exceedingly interesting subject. It never ceases to uh, interest me. And I love the teamwork. You've worked in hospital, Fraser. You understand it's great to work in a team, lots of banter. Then when things get tough, you know, everybody knows what they're doing. They pull together. It's great to see. But I think the most fantastic thing about being a doctor is your patience, isn't it? Because people tell doctors things that they wouldn't tell anybody else, you know. So I've heard things that have inspired me, disgusted me, made me laugh, made me cry. Um, uh, And you learn so much about humanity, don't you? Because you see human beings at their most vulnerable, at their most devastated, at their bravest, at their worst, at their best. So you learn an awful lot about humanity, but you also learn a great deal about yourself. So I've had to, because I work in chest medicine, there's a lot of lung cancer involved, and that's a pretty grim diagnosis with a poor prognosis. You break a lot of bad news, don't you, in in chest medicine and uh, you see how different people react to being told they're terminally ill and you you wonder how am I going to be like you when I'm told I'm terminal I hope I'll be brave you know but you never know how it's going to hit you people are very very different aren't they and I suppose I have an advantage doing the comedy out of medicine because people are immensely interested in medicine. It's like one of the great fascinations, isn't it? It's like sex, death and the law, except with medicine. We have plenty of death as well, unfortunately. So they've got two for the price of one. But um, so I think people are, everybody's been to hospital, everybody's got a story. So I think people are very interested in hearing the other side. So I think I get away with it from that. Plus... I have to say, in these politically correct times, Fraser, Mm -hmm. I am a completely politically correct comedian because I don't pick on any minorities. All of us are going to get sick and die, aren't we? Including me, probably very soon. (laughs) As you, I mean, what's your view on other things? Obviously, I know a lot of people are very sensitive these days to, like, the PC stuff. And how do do you think we're from, in your day, when I say your day as in when you were earlier in the 70s, 80s, we would say all these things normally. Uh, we'd never know we'd bat, bat in an island. It's just normal. But now, you know, like, they go away crying a corner. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hard balance, isn't it? Yeah. Because a joke is a joke, isn't it? And it should be seen as a joke. But unfortunately, jokes can also be cruel. Jokes can also be uh, a power struggle, can't they? It's, it's not right to make jokes about somebody who's not your equal. It's not right to, to um, put upon people that are, are less able than yourself. So I suppose... I suppose that there is a, a point to political correctness. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I, you don't want to see people victimised, yeah. do you? You want people to be able to join in the joke. But maybe we've gone a bit too far. I don't know. Maybe we've gone a bit too far. I mean, in general, humour is a is a force for good, isn't it? It's a force for self-defence. I mean, people say, oh, look, Kevin, how can you make jokes about cancer and make jokes about death? Well, I haven't invented death or cancer, have I? They're going to be there, yeah. whether you like it or not. So we can all sit here and be scared to death and f- afraid to mention it. That isn't going to stop it happening. Far better to get out there and have a good laugh at it. If you can laugh at something, it's got to make it less scary. 
Well, I have actually created a brand. I've got a friend, uh, a friend in California, one of my connections, uh, called Shannon Griffin, uh, and she's a survivor of breast cancer. Yeah. And we created a brand. Well, she every time she does a lot, a lot of lives on a regular basis on Facebook, and she's to go fix your face. So it's like instead of being sad, be happy. So it's like fix your face. To, so I had created a sort of Facebook group called Let's Beat Cancer Together. Yeah. And we changed it to so Let's Be Let's change it to fix your face to cancer yeah so we've got t-shirts designing a brand to be a sportswear so it's going to be like a go-to so people can so it's got fix your face to cancer yeah on it so basically people can it's just to make it excited more happy instead of yeah. being sad it's like hey, yeah cancer is you're gonna instead of go through it and be happy rather than miserable. well if you talk to people i know all of us are different we cannot mm. say what each of us will be like when yeah. we're told we're dying of cancer or we're fighting cancer but um if you talk to people who are dying, one of the things that they hate the most is that their relationship with their loved ones and their friends changes Mm -hmm. so they can no longer have a laugh with people because all they get from their friends are these sad eyes and how are you today and oh my God, I hope everything's all right and da-di-da. And that relationship they had when people used to take the mickey out of each other, that all goes, you see. And they get quite lonely in the fact that they've lost that interaction because of their illness. So um, we've had a lot of people, haven't we, blogging about recently about their fight with cancer and their journey through cancer and that that seems to be a recurring theme you know that they want they want a bit of positivity and a bit of laughter still they don't want it all to be sad eyes and Aye. sympathy doing, you know doing, what i mean doing gloom. yeah absolutely i think uh, you find that you probably i don't know if you've seen people who are more positive can, can actually beat it more rather than or, well, or what's it, is it kind of that or is it kind of can yeah believe help? it or not we, it, it would be lovely wouldn't it to believe that a positive attitude can make a difference to prognosis but i think the the work and the research into that shows that's not the case i mean right, okay. there are some fights you just can't win and it must be desperately sad mustn't it for a person who is dying of a terminal disease that they cannot win that fight it's not humanly possible yeah. and not only they dying but they're dying with this guilty feeling that if only they fought a bit harder they could beat it you know it's not true right cancer you know there are forms of cancer that no fighting is ever going to win i'm afraid obviously we just lost aretha franklin to cancer Uh, she had a pancreatic pancreatic so um Uh, yeah so it's a shame that she's got 70 76 or something she was are you going to play any aretha franklin i don't have any you see look at that he brings up this sort of dj brings up aretha franklin (laughs) has he got aretha franklin no i came in he said what's your favorite artist said bob dylan you got any bob is in no This is what we're dealing with. I know. Song I know. <laughs> no, but we do. I do tend to play on my show a lot of upcoming artists. Uh, I do. I would love to. If I had it, if I knew he liked Bob Dylan in advance, I would have had them all sorted. <laughs> so it made me feel bad now. <laughs> So no, you sure? I know, but uh, so but no, Rita Franklin. Sure. It's a shame that she's recently passed away. Oh, she but, was fabulous. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Fabulous. There's a lot of artists recently have got uh, past. Well, we've young. lost Bowie, haven't we? And we lost Prince. Yeah, and we've lost a lot of great. People. Even uh, oh, as I say, Barry Chuckle, who just died as well. The Chuckle Brothers. Uh, he, I've not got any of his songs. <laughs> saying, but just saying, the entertainers. Has he, well, has he released any albums? <laughs> Barry Chuckle. <laughs> no, but he was. But entertain for kids' purposes, obviously, from me to you and you to me. You to me, me to you. Certainly, it's well. It's, in its seventies, is not old these days. And, uh, no, that's uh, right. I think. What's the average lifespan now? I think for women is eighty six, isn't it? And for mm. men is eighty. But why do men die before women? <laughs> because we want to. <laughs> Sorry, if you. I should. Uh, Annoy the feminism. Oh, that was sexist. Annoy the, fem- oh, the, the, the feminism. You know, I've just broken my own rule. Okay. Oh, no. Play some music but, quick, Fraser, before the do, phones start ringing. Do you, um, honest, Boris, do you, aye, I was going to say, do you find it, because people are living longer these days, yeah. it's, well, the problem with this living longer is, if you look at it, we're living about 10 years longer, but is that, is that 10 years any good? Uh, you know, is it great living for 10 years demented in a nursing home, unable to eat, move or speak, you know? Exactly. I don't know. I think we've got to think more about what 
quality of life we have as opposed to striving just to live longer for the sake of it, you know? Well, what would you go play some music? I want you to think about some uh, other stuff. You, uh, t- t- talk about anything. You've obviously had a, a rather vast, uh, long career in medicine and we want to hear some interesting jokes that you can tell us Not that are not obviously in your show or maybe you want to tap into the one that you, obviously the title of your show, Telling the Wrong Man You've Had Cancer. Oh yes, I could uh, tell you that. I you, could tell you Because uh, you are sold out so a lot of people are not Yeah, they've got to come anyway. They've got to come anyway. Yeah. If not, they, no, there's no refund anymore. No Sorry, refund. It's, it's part of the terms and conditions. If you, <laughs> no, you don't get your money back. You don't. Uh, no, you knew that, didn't you? Uh, no, I, yeah. <laughs> I made sure um, you've got to have the Mexican lawyers write up the, the agreement they've got a claim over the wall to f- <laughs> just to, to give us this I mean, <laughs> part of the bad joke there uh, yeah, it was bad uh, I was <laughs> not for an anonymous show <laughs> I will uh, be back after uh, Aaron Rigdon, small town. He's a singer, songwriter, country singer, songwriter, rock from Canada. Uh, I'll be back after this. This is Afia Lethem from Kingdom Beads, and we are proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders on heartsonglive.co.uk. Uh, welcome back to Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders on Hearts on Live. Uh, we've got a guest, Kevin Jones. So, uh, Kevin, telling the wrong man he's had cancer. And, and well, you could, in fact, let's, is there any other any any other mistakes like similar to that? No, no I'll tell you about this mistake. Okay, okay. okay. It is possibly one of the biggest mistakes I've made. Now, it's a bit of a long story. This so stick with me. Okay. And um, it has a happy ending. That's the important thing. I was working in my clinic in Berry. 
and I had a fellow to see called Mr Thompson. His name was Mr Thompson. I hadn't met him before, but I had in front of me the results of all his tests, which showed that he had metastatic lung cancer. He had lung cancer that had spread to his liver and brain, and the poor man didn't have very long to live. I went out into the consulting, out of my consulting room into the waiting room, and there was a fellow there, sat there with a hearing aid in, and I said, Mr Thompson... And he said, yes. I said, would you like to come in? And he came in and I told him all the very bad news in the proper ways that we've been taught to give this bad news. And people are incredulous and shocked when they're told they're dying of cancer. But this man seemed unbelievably shocked. He just sat there shaking his head in complete disbelief. But I explained to him there was no doubt whatsoever about it. And at the end of the consultation, I led him out of the room. And I went out and there was another fella sat in the seat ready to come in and I had a patient called Mr Johnson next. So I'd seen Thompson, I was now seeing Johnson. So you've already guessed it, haven't you? So I went up to Mr other fellow and said Mr Johnson and he didn't get up. I said Mr Johnson, come in. And uh, the nurse said that's not Mr Johnson. And I said no, no, that's Mr Johnson. She said no, the fella you've just seen was Mr Johnson. <laughs> And, uh, oh, God, you know that feeling when the black clouds start to gather around you and all the contents of your bowel turns to ice and you're convinced it's about to hit you in the underpants? I said, no, no. I said, that was Mr Thompson. She said, no, no, that's Mr Thompson there. That was Mr Johnson. I said, oh, my God, you're joking. She said, no. I said, I've just told Mr Johnson that he's got terminal cancer. And you know what she said? She said, oh, what did you do that for? I said, what did I do that for? For a joke? Why do you think? I tell you why I told him. Like, I thought that was Mr Thompson. She said, no, it's Mr Johnson. I said, I know that now. I know that now. You've told me. So I said, go and get him. Go and find Mr Johnson. Bring him back here so I can tell him the good news. And she said, well, what about this Mr Thompson here? I said, oh, never mind him. I'll deal with him. So I said, come in, Mr Thompson. Come in, you. So I told the the poor guy that really had cancer that he really had cancer. And they came back out and said to the nurse, well, have you found Mr Johnson yet? And she said, no, no, I've not been able to find him. I said, oh, no, the poor man will be going home, throwing himself under a bus or something. He thinks he's dying. For goodness sake, find him. She said, well, I've looked everywhere, the bus stop, I've been down to the train station, everything, just can't find him. I said, oh, God. So what I did was I stayed in the clinic till about 10 o'clock at night, ringing this guy's phone number at home every quarter of an hour. And eventually at 10 o'clock, God love him, he answered the phone. Right. And it was obvious he was drunk. He'd obviously got drunk <laughs> with the bad news, he said. <laughs> so this is, this is what you love about patients. He said, Mr Johnson, you, you, you may not remember me. It's Dr Jones. He said, oh, I'll never forget you. I'll never forget you. I said, listen to me. Mr Johnson, it's very important, this. Listen to me. You do not have lung cancer. I made a dreadful mistake. You don't have lung cancer. What you've got, I said, what you've got is Budgerigar's lung. You're allergic to your Budgerigar. The shadows on your chest X-ray are not cancer. They're because of you're allergic to your Budgerigar. All you have to do is get rid of your Budgerigar. And do you know what he said to me? And this, I mean, it's unbelievable. He should have sued me, really. He said, oh, Dr Jones, thank you so much for taking the trouble to ring me. Can you imagine that? As if any monster would not ring him, you know. Anyway. He came, but two weeks later I was in clinic and in he came. I said, oh, come in, Mr Johnson, come in, you know, get straight in. Now. Get him a cup of tea, you nurse, know, and some biscuits. Come on, get him in. Uh, so I was very nice to him. And then I said to him, well, have you got rid of your budgerigar then, Mr Johnson? He said, no, I haven't, I haven't. I've kept my budgerigar. I said, what? I said, what? why? I told you on the phone it was the budgerigar. You should have got rid of the budgerigar. I said, oh, I thought you might ring me back in two hours and tell me it was the cat. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Seriously, I'm honest like... to God, that's what he said. What an amazing man! He didn't oh, sue me. He th- he thanked me for my care after I nearly caused him to commit suicide. That is... So that's the big story at the end of my show. But obviously, I give it a great deal more physical exaggeration that you can't see on the radio. You yeah, can't see you me can't... pulling fully faces. Yeah, and desperately 
trying to find out what my medical insurance was like. Would it, <laughs> would it have paid? Would it have paid the thirty million quid? <laughs> he sued, sued me, yeah, for post trauma. Could have sued me for post traumatic stress disorder. I'm guessing you. Yeah, maybe the budgerigar could have sued me so for I'd, wrongful arrest. So they obviously managed to. They might somehow maybe give you the wrong notes or just somehow mixed no, up. No, no, it was oh. my fault because oh. he was deaf. When I said Mr. Thompson, he thought, he thought it was Johnson, <laughs> and then I didn't check with him. You know what right, I mean? I just de- didn't check with him. I just I, t- I took it for granted he knew who he was. And, and the real Mr. Thompson was in the toilet, you see, when I called out Mr. Thompson. So poor old Johnson came in. Absolute disaster. You know what I mean? It's just one of those incredible things where everything went wrong at once, you know. I have had that experience myself. It was uh, actually a night shift I was doing. It's actually why I stopped doing nursing. It was a nurse bank when I was... I happened to be on a cancer ward as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was one night shift, it was staff that I hadn't worked with before, uh, and I got about a five minute handover. Uh, and it just, one of those nights, it went, everything went wrong. Because I used to like the staff I'd worked before. I'd be fine and I'd never have problems uh, and first I just seemed to go wrong uh, even I was waiting when t- patients were in the loo I was waiting for to come out for a reason I was hanging around or getting complaints it was a night shift but I didn't know half it was a, a total nurse and it just didn't so it went wrong in nurse bank where I thought stuff it let's forget this I decided to change I was in 2000 like end of 2006 you didn't do anything disastrous though, no no did you? I just, did something uh, disastrous exactly and it was just absolutely crazy and I thought oh, this, oh, I can't remember this this is too many politics so and you gave it up then I decided it's time to call it quits now and well, too many, it's, it's it was a, a tough job in it was it's a tough job yeah I think it was just too many there's too many chiefs and not Indians yeah. and that's the kind of problem hence the reason why I just gave it up I, thought, no. I, don't, I enjoyed it I enjoyed the Awesome. But, I mean, I worked in like acute receiving unit as well, where it was more similar to AE. Yeah. Uh, it was good. It was a good fun, a good experience. Uh, yeah. But I think after that, I was sort of kind of hard with the politics. It was just no point. Yeah. So I moved on. But, no, no, uh, you've got to be a special kind to put up with the stresses and strains. I mean, yeah. I've got used to it now, haven't I, over yeah. the years? And although I'm stressed out, I wouldn't give it up. I do love it. I do uh, love medicine with all my heart. And if I had to choose between medicine and comedy, there'd be no choice. I would stay medicine. Yeah. I love it. I well, mean, the comedy's just a bit of a a side act really a bit mm. of a release you know uh, what what we're going to do is we, we're going to put one more song then we'll do a quick pair of people can find you and if you want to book you or for a comedy or a bit after, after dinners or they can I don't know cook for you while yeah. you're talking and where you I yeah you can whatever. if they want to ring up with their medical problems <laughs> I mean you should ring me up Fred with your medical problems <laughs> You've obviously got a lot looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) Put some music on while I examine you. Come on. (laughs) I guess I love it. Anyway, if you are listening to this, it is a bit of hilarity. If you've got a dry sense of humour, you will understand what we have been talking about. If you don't, well, uh, I suggest you read up on it. We'll be back after uh, Chris Angeles' photo booth. Oh, good. So you can get your photo booth. Okay, we'll be back in a second. You said I was wonderful. Me and you 
Songlive.co.uk, your inspirational station. So we're back. Welcome back to Ramsey and East. Going to be on Waters with Dr. Kevin Jones. Um, we're going to wrap things up uh, in about five minutes. Uh, Kevin's going to give us an insight to where people can find him. Uh, if you want to book him uh, for afternoon speak, speaking, comedy shows, fundraisers, uh, as I say, maybe. Somebody's, I don't know, maybe you've got an old folks home looking for some entertainment. I don't know, maybe not. Joking enough. Well, I'm joking enough. You know, I have an old folks home I can go into. <laughs> Actually, let's do it the other way around. Never mind coming to see me. Let me see your old folks home where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. That's what I want. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> we'll keep the, keep, keep the, the, the false teeth chatting. Uh, keep them going. But anyway. If you want me for anything, get me through Fraser Ramsey here at uh, Hearts Online. He's got my number. If you need to contact me, he's your man. He's going to be my agent. He wants to take 15% of everything I know. I understand that. So, uh, that's just... That. <laughs> Uh, it's been, it has been a pleasure having Kev on the show. Yes, it has. It has been, it's been fun. If you, it's been a good insight to his, uh, obviously his background to starting being a doctor and obviously why he got into uh, being comedy as well. And we're gonna, if you want to, he's gonna tell you where you can find him and if you want to book him. So where can people find you? Well, you can get me on my web page, um, okay, which please. is drkevinjones.co.uk. So it's okay. www.dr, all lowercase, dr, drkevinjones.co.uk. Okay, so you get there, and uh, if people want to, what services do you offer, essentially, do I have many <laughs> services I can offer, anything you need. I can surgery, I can do surgery on you, you need to drink a bottle of whiskey and bite on a leather strap, and I can remove parts of your anatomy with a hacksaw, I can do that for you. Uh, I can examine you and tell you a joke at the same time, so that you laugh through the pain. That's what I can do for you. <laughs> Well, as I have done for Fraser, who uh, <laughs> who used to be a, a whole human being till I met him. <laughs> uh, so, uh, pardon, obviously the expression in that one, but he obviously, yeah, he's not offers. <laughs> what sort of a DJ is this? Come on, Fraser, know, pull, yourself a, know, a, pull yourself together. Pull yourself together. Uh, yeah, so as he offers, you can book him and he will sort you out and uh, go from there. Uh, and you can just pick up the phone and find out where he is, and you can, he does uh, late night medical advice uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> so the last call is called. <laughs> so, so if you. <laughs> it's just don't, anyway. But no, it's, seriously, it's been great to have him. It's good to be able to help out if people who are coming to the festival for the first time or it's been a few times before to be able to promote their show 
and uh, get them some coverage. It's been, uh, that's what I like to do. Uh, whether you're an artist, author, comedian, uh, it's good to connect with people in general and network and be able to help them out. Uh, whether they're thank you, Fraser. I've enjoyed it very much, honestly. It's been good fun, and uh, thank you for having me, honestly. Yeah, it's all good. Well, we are going to wrap things up because... Uh, we have got he's got a helicopter to get to his next place hence where the airwolf music in the background so it's uh, loaded up with uh, ammo so you can uh, get the note there's no interrupt options on the way so I'm off to the helipad he's off to the helipad now you've got the it's the it's the it's got a red cross and it's ambulance uh, it's a quick quick put the sirens on but no anyway wrapping things up thank you Kevin and I'm just waffling on now so I mean, he has a helipad to catch the helicopter to catch this one. Uh, but thank you, and uh, it's been good fun. Good and, fun, thank you. Uh, as I say, Rob, very much. And all the best for your show, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to you getting more information. Okay, take care, folks. All the best. Uh, we're listening to Ramsey Unleashed going beyond borders, and the next show will be coming up soon on heartsonlive.co.uk. So have a great one wherever you are from, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye bye now.